Welcome to Successful, the podcast, a show about the stories of women redefining success. We're your hosts. I'm Carla. And I'm Natalie. Like you, we're two career women figuring out the meaning of success. In each episode, we bring you our stories and the stories of other women who are redefining success in life, in work, and on their own terms. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Successful, the podcast. It is Natalie here. I am bringing you a very special interview today with a dear friend, Jane Kim. Jane is an artist manager who owns her own company. She has an agency called Axiom Music that provides talent buying and agency services. She works with a range of different artists. And she also works for another management company called SMG Entertainment. And Jane is just a joy to talk to. We talk all about her following her passion into the music industry, her journey of jumping from the corporate world, working in HR to owning her own business and working in the field that she just loves so much, which is the music industry. We have a great time chatting about finding your own path and the power of taking your agency back and networking. We hope that you enjoy our show today. So here's our conversation with Jane. Jane, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a joy to be here. Oh yeah, we're so honored that you were able to come on today. I know that you and I have known each other for quite a long time at this point, a few years. I think we met when I was working so far shows. Is that right? I think that's right. I think we were part of the so far sounds mm-hmm. community as volunteers just at the right time. Yeah. And I know that was pretty soon after I had moved to the city and I was looking to meet people and meet new friends. And we like met through a mutual friend at one of the concerts. And for people who don't know, so far is a collective of musicians and artists. And we have small shows throughout the country. So every city, pretty much every large city has little shows. And it's a really cool way to meet like-minded people. But I think that's a great intro to you and your background because you're so passionate about music. And that's a lot of what you do in your day-to-day life, right? That is exactly what I do in my day-to-day life. And that is absolutely by design. I'm very grateful that uh, my master plan is somehow not falling apart. <laughs> I'm not going to go so far as like, it's a grand success, but I'm just, um, I did do a career change at some point from something not music related to something only music related. So I yeah. am, you know, I, I wake up every day and I'm pretty, pretty happy with how I get yeah. to spend my day. So I'm thankful. Getting to actually dictate what you want to do in the industry that you're working in. I think that's so awesome. Did you grow up playing music? Did you play an instrument? What got you so passionate about about this field? I think my passion for music, I didn't I didn't know that it, my passion for music was more than the average person until much later in life, mainly because I grew up with musicians in the house. So mm-hmm. being really into music and playing music and listening to a lot of music wasn't that uncommon in my family and even in my extended family. 
Um, so I have memories of, <laughs> cause I, I did grow up in like a dial up age when, when we were teenagers. And so before the lime wires and like pirating music at some point as a, as a broke teenager, um, I used to go to the library all the time. And if I discovered an artist that I hadn't heard before, I would just go and like borrow the entire discography of their CDs that I could find at the library and would just come home and listen to all of them. And I don't think I realized till much later that like not every teenager did that with their time or that's not what they did when they went to the library. <laughs> um, and I don't, I didn't like most people being in the music industry is a very, a black box industry. So it's not like I was privy to it at all. Um, the only option for being in music to my parents was being a pianist or being a violinist. I, mm -hmm. I grew up playing violin since I was about five, six years, five, six years old and was in orchestra all my life. And so I did the very, you know, in a, in a way, very expected thing of a Korean kid. And so I was born in Chicago, but I did spend a little bit of time with some formative years in Seoul. So I moved there when I was in first grade and I did just public primary school there. And I moved back in sixth grade as an awkward junior high kid. So that's fun. Yeah. So were your parents from there originally and you, yes. you guys just moved back together? That's right. My parent, both my parents are Korean immigrants. They moved to Chicago in the mid eighties and um, after they had, my dad's always been in working for the Korean, the South Korean government on and off. So mm -hmm. that was the reason for the move back and forth between here and Korea. Gotcha. So how do you think that move, you know, between countries? Cause you were kind of back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, how do you think growing up in both places really affected how you maybe approach life in general, but also how that helped to develop what your interests are? That's a really good question and not one that um, I get asked too often, actually. I think two major things. One is that I grew up having it be very normal to move literally across the globe. Yeah. So this idea of packing up your life, putting them in boxes and going somewhere very far, somewhere very different, is not that foreign to me. So anytime I think about leaving where I where I've been living for a long time, when I was you know leaving Illinois to come to Texas uh, after I was done with school, like stuff like that just isn't as daunting to me because I think I grew up with it and I watched my parents just just do it. They just figured it out, you know. Yeah, a bit more natural for you. Yes. So I think they maybe call it the fear of the unknown in some way, um, or going somewhere new. I think that that fear of uncertainty is maybe taken out of me a little bit from that experience in childhood. Mm -hmm. Secondly, I think it's cool having grown up in two very different cultures, being raised at home in a very different culture, because Eastern and Western culture, especially American culture, I think there's some very stark differences, starting with there is a the way people view authority, I think, is a big difference in Western and Eastern cultures. Um, Another major thing is this dichotomy of collectivistic ideals mm -hmm. that's very strong in East Asian countries and the American idea of individualism. And not, not here to debate pros and cons of either of them at all. It's just 
interesting being being in two different places um, growing up and seeing how those ideals play out in small things like school life mm-hmm. to larger societal things and overall like the societal issues that cut different countries deal with, I think is very fascinating. Um, and it does play a role in the way that I view interpersonal relationships, the way that I view even large scale, like organizational behavior, teams, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't have close family here starting around age 19, 20. When I was about that age, my parents actually permanently moved back to Korea. And so since for the past 12 years or so, I see my parents I, once a year, I go to Korea and spend about two week, two to four weeks with them. And mm-hmm. that's the main time I get to spend any family time. Wow. So when you got out of school, what did you want to go into? Were you just looking for any job that would take you? Were you looking for something specific? I took a couple weird turns. So I went to college thinking I was going to be a math teacher. Mm-hmm. Towards the end of that degree, I student taught as a requirement for, for a semester at a high school. And, you know, I really enjoy teaching. Truly, I do. I knew that doing it in a classroom setting was not for me. I knew pretty quickly that it wasn't something I wanted to wake up and be fulfilled every single day. But I did finish the degree. So I'm a certified math teacher in the state of Illinois. Woot woot. I didn't know that. Always a good thing to fall back on, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Teaching is a profession that will be around till ever. But right after I was figuring out, okay, well, now I don't have a plan. I very randomly and serendipitously met someone who helped me understand the profession of human resources. She was going through the graduate program at Illinois at the same school for labor and employment relations. And I was like, I don't know what that is. Tell me what, tell me more about that. She was someone I had met randomly. I really liked her. I just asked her to lunch and I just started asking her about what she's doing and what she's studying. And it sounded like a pretty noble cause. You know, 70% of people say that they dislike their corporate jobs. If I can have a hand in making sure people have good managers, that bad managers are either trained better or taken out of place, that people are treated fairly in the workplace, that I can I can maybe help someone enjoy their job more. Great. That sounds great. And at this point, I don't think I consciously realize it, but I, 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 I'm definitely meant for an interpersonal, highly interpersonal job. And I studied for the GMAT, GRE, whatever. And I went to grad school right after undergrad. No way. I didn't, I actually didn't know this about you. I didn't know you went to grad school. I went straight to grad school for HR. Wow. And that is specific, very specific. And that is the reason why I moved to Dallas, Texas, actually, because I interned during that time at a company called Texas Instruments. And when I was done, they offered me a full-time job to come back. And that's exactly what I did. And that comes back to this idea of like, no fear of moving. I was totally okay leaving Mm -hmm. Illinois, leaving my home town behind. My parents didn't live there anymore. There was no reason to really stay. Right. So I was like, great, I guess I'll move to Texas. I had no idea I would ever live there, but yes, let's do it. And that was 2014. Okay, 2014. And I remember when you and I first met, it had to have been like 2017, 
2016, mm-hmm. 2017, but you were still working there um, at sure that job. Were. So you haven't worked there for a while, but what inspired you to transition from the corporate world um, into being an entrepreneur? I was fortunate enough to really dislike my job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I disliked it so much that I was willing and ready to do anything but that. Yeah. And while people have different reasons for disliking their job, and that's definitely not what I'm going to focus on, I mean this both tongue in cheek, but very genuinely that I'm actually very grateful that I was put in a position where I actually disliked it enough that I left. Because if I didn't dislike it enough, I think it would have been harder to leave because, you know, getting paid on time every two weeks and benefits is great. And it's really hard to leave that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So it is kind of a blessing, right? Like sometimes you just like it, you know, a little bit, you don't hate it too much. And that's enough reason to stay the security. And then you don't hate your life you know, as much as you probably could. But I I see where you're coming from, where if you're just pushed to the point where, you know, you're like, I just can't take this anymore. That's the point where you're like, I can jump and nothing that I go do is going to be worse than this. A hundred percent. That's absolutely how Mm -hmm. I felt. You know, it's time to go when you are, you can't fall asleep at night because you're so anxious about waking up the next day, going to work again. So at two, three in the morning, you're laying in bed, looking up, uh, coding boot camps. <laughs> How to be a real estate agent. <laughs> I was looking up the most random things of jobs that I can do that is not that. Mm-hmm. Anything not to get out. Yes. And uh, at a certain point, I was like, it's time to go. And I left without a plan. No plan. That's just how how much I was pushed to the brink, I think. Yeah. How many years ago was that at this point? 2017 summer. So it'll be, mm-hmm. I will come up to them on my fifth anniversary uh, this year. Wow. So it's been five years. It's, that's almost crazy to me how time has flown. But mm-hmm. without a plan, you jumped, you just made that courageous decision. What was your, what was your next step? Because I know so many people are out there who feel the same way as you, feeling stuck, feeling like they just can't take, you know, another day at their, at their corporate job or whatever job they're working. What was going through your head, you know, day one, you have no corporate job. What's your, what's your next step? One thing I had to ask my dad to stop calling me every day. He did so with the best of intentions. No. (laughs) Bless my dad. Love him. We're very close, but I Mm -hmm. legit had to just say, Hey, this is something I'm going to have to figure out on my own. So you know, you and mom calling and asking for a plan is super not helpful right now. Right. So let's right. talk in a week. And and um and he honored that. He was like, okay, I'll give you some space. Wow. I I think I've mentioned, and I think you'll you'll see a theme in in our conversation that good things have happened to me through personal connections or just people. And again, without whether or not I really acknowledge that throughout my transitions and time, that has always been my go-to intuition. So I texted a bunch of friends that I thought were 
also well-connected humans. And I just said very honestly, hey, I finally left my position. I'm looking to go into the music industry. I have no knowledge or contacts. If you know anyone who even works adjacent to this industry, and you think they're nice enough people to give me 15 minutes of their day, I would love for you to introduce us. And I sent out that that text blast to, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 people. And then I would collect names, contacts that they sent over so kindly. And I just reached out to them. I emailed them, I texted them. And I just had, I basically cold call people just to ask them what they do, how they got mm-hmm. there. And then I would ask those people if they had other people that I, they would recommend me speaking to. And I just did that for about a week or two. And I immediately started tutoring on the side. So that math okay. education background came in very handy. Yeah. And I still teach to this day, uh, mainly because I actually really enjoy it. I love mm-hmm. teaching but at the one-on-one level, not the right. classroom level. I'm still not really convinced about that life yet. <laughs> maybe maybe second, third career, but I, I love, love working with students one-on-one. So I still do that. And that came in very handy just to not feel like I didn't have any income at all right off mm-hmm. the bat. But I started doing that pretty immediately, actually. Yeah. So teaching and then just, you know, ne- networking your butt off. So trying to find anybody who can educate you about the industry, maybe make a connection here and there. And what came out of that? That's very bold, very um, proactive of you to do that. Thank you. I, I, for some reason, I don't have a fear of cold calling, mm-hmm. and my motto has always been: the worst they can say is no, or actually, right? the worst they can say is not not respond. The worst thing what someone can do is just ignore you. <laughs> so yeah. it's no skin off of me to just send a text or send an email, you know. And you know, I, I, I do believe that most people deep down are very kind and willing to help others, even if they've never met them. So anyone listening, if you also have any desire to reach out to me and have a conversation, please do so. I'm sure you can find my information through the podcast. Yeah, um, we'll link it below. Yes. I'm always happy to just just have a chat. Whether I'm helpful or not, That will I will leave that up to you. <laughs> um, so connections, yes. So very kindly people recommended some people. And based on that, I actually just started working with people for free. I met up with a publicist here um, named Amber LaFrance. She runs a boutique PR agency called Culture Hype. And she met for met with me for coffee for about a few minutes. And she just said, you can try booking for me. I have you know music clients that are doing single releases, album releases, or they just need help finding gigs. Do you want to try doing that? And I said, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I did not talk about getting paid. I did not expect to get paid. That wasn't what I was after at the moment. I also found I had some really nice friends who were also on the lookout for me and sent me internship opportunities that they found that were in the industry. So I also took unpaid internships for two to three months, just working for concert promoters, talent buyers. And I just started from the ground up again. I didn't care that I had a master's degree and blah, blah, blah. I just was like, I'm just going to try and do anything that people will let me be involved in. And that slowly turned into people saying really nice things about me. I've been very blessed Mm -hmm. with being connected to 
really kind people who did not spare any words when they were telling other people about what a great job I did helping them on blank. And that turned into artists being like, hey, you seem really organized. Can you, do you want to maybe be my booking agent and represent me and help me find more gigs? And I said, sure. That turned into a couple of them saying, I need a manager. Do you, would you consider being my manager? And I would say, mm-hmm. I have no idea what that even entails. <laughs> but I can tell you right now that I, I will figure it out and we will figure this out together. And that's kind of how that journey started, honestly. Wow. So I, I just love your honesty with them. So in those conversations where they're like, yeah, I mean, I trust you enough. You haven't managed anybody, but I, I trust you to figure it out. And they were right there with you. Yes. And I think because I was so honest about it, maybe that also built an innate sense of trust. I mm-hmm. I will never go around acting like I know more than I do. If anything, I'm sure a lot of people suffer from imposter syndrome, always feeling like they don't know enough. But mm-hmm. I think that that built a lot of trust for me to just say, you know, I haven't done that before. Or they would ask me a question very specific to them releasing a song. And I would say, you know, I don't know, let's look it up. And I would just figure it out. You know, I think the best tool that we have is just at our fingertips. And um, I think not enough people try to use that. So I was just like, I may not know it, but I know that I'm resourceful enough to at least attempt to find a solution. Yeah. You'd make a great consultant, by the way, because this is all that we do. (laughs) I've also considered that. (laughs) Yeah. Wouldn't necessarily recommend, but definitely you would make a great one. <laughs> I appreciate that. I think uh, my math, my math background is just, it just means I'm a problem solver at heart. I've always right. enjoyed problem solving, even as a kid. That's why I decided to major in it. I love mm-hmm. the idea of teaching young people problem solving that they can use both in classroom, but more importantly in life. So problem solving is just what I apply, I think, day to day. Yeah. And I love how you broke down, you know, your process of after coming off of this, this corporate job, just starting from the bottom and building your resume essentially through unpaid internships, all of this stuff that you just kind of put your your feet to the ground, put in the work. And now you run your own business around this and you also manage a bunch of artists So tell us a little bit about your business and how that came to be. Yes. Also, to add a side note, just in case people listening don't get the wrong idea, not Mm -hmm. everything I said yes to panned out well. I I said yes to projects where I was promised to be paid a certain amount and I never got paid. Mm. Um, I've done plenty of stuff where it seemed like a good idea, but it didn't play out the way that I thought it would. So just because I said yes to a lot of stuff doesn't mean all of them turned into bigger and more better opportunities. So no, just yeah, to add gradual. That as a, yes, gradual. Um, you know, it's it, it it ebbs and flows. You know, everything that people say about two steps forward, one step back is definitely hundred mm-hmm. percent true. Yeah. So today, I I started an agency called Axiom Music in 2018. So about a year after I left my corporate job. Uh, it's today it runs on talent buying, booking, as some people call it as well, music programming, that's another name for it. So I work with clients in DFW that are looking to have either regular music programming or they have special events that run and they need 
talent for it, whether that be live bands, everything from solo acoustic acts to full bands with a full production of you know stage and sound, um, or even DJs. And DFW has a very large music scene in the sense that there is no shortage of musicians. It's a lot of music talent here. Also, for those of you who have been to Dallas before, you'll know that it's a huge city in the sense that it's giant urban sprawl. Every suburb that's attached to Dallas has its own very much thriving downtown area, entertainment area. So there's also no shortage of events or places that are looking for music either. So it's Mm -hmm. a great market to have grown a business in this way, uh, which I didn't really know until I I started to really dive into it. So I do a lot of that. Um, I manage the entertainment for a three-day outdoor festival in Dallas as well which feels very full circle to me because that was one of the first events that I went to when I first moved to the city. And I also, my heart um, really loves the work of artist management, kind of going back to that idea of this one-on-one engagement that I have even with students. I feel like all the things you mentioned, even like being a consultant or this idea of being a career coach, I, I love how that, all comes into artist management, but I get to do those things in the context of music with working with a client that has a very specific goal in music as well. So I love getting to know someone at a very human level, getting to understand what motivates them, their emotions, their background, and most importantly, having that trust with another person so that they know that everything I do or say or act on for them is just for them. It's not with any selfish motives of mine, but everything is to solve a problem for you. And yes, and I know, I I feel like Nellie might be smiling saying, yeah, that's what consultants do. And yes, I I love it. I feel like I'm a consultant in the music industry. Yeah, Uh, that is kind of what you are. So I work with some artists in Dallas. I also work for a management company called um, Soria Music Entertainment. And I get to do some A&R work there and run day-to-day for some artists on that roster. And that's been really rewarding because I get a view that's that has been outside of the local Dallas scene and something um, at a larger scale. And that's been, wow, I've, I've just learned so much in the past year since joining that team. So you are an entrepreneur, you've got your own business, you're also working for another company doing um, artist management, it sounds like, and then you've got your tutoring as well. Yes. So you you are a busy lady. I so am. I think, it, I think it's interesting that, and I think this is something that, you know, probably a lot of people need to hear that a few things that I've noticed. So number one you didn't have it all figured out when you jumped from corporate into what you wanted to do. You just knew that you liked music. You wanted to do something more interpersonal. And then it sounds like as you've gotten those opportunities and grown, you're learning more and more about yourself and like honing which areas you want to be involved in, um, which I think it's just all part of the journey, right? We don't have to have it all figured out when we jump into something. It's kind of an evolving thing as we get to know ourselves better. So I think that's a really good part of your story that that might resonate with people. I appreciate that. And I think everyone's journey is different 
I think my personality and my background lends itself to being okay in a way. I mean, it was scary. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. being a little bit okay with not everything, having everything figured out. I also know that some people have different levels of risk. They have different needs in terms of having a plan. So I also understand that the way I did it isn't necessarily for everyone in terms of right. their personal needs. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think it's it's awesome that, you know, you're sharing all of these different things that you do because it's, you know, running your own business, it might not be able to take you through, um, you know, financially in the first few years. So you're still working other things, right? Still making sure that you're in the industry and you're pushing your business forward. But the reality also is, you know, working other jobs and and using your other talents to make sure that, you know, you can get your business off the ground. Yeah, absolutely. And very thankful to say that I've seen my business grow year over year. Mm -hmm. And the longer I've been doing it, the more people I've been able to meet. And even any new client work that I have, it's, it's all word of mouth at this point. It's all networking. Right. And it's grown enough that I'm able to even have a part-time employee that helps me with the work because amazing. Um, I need that support. And so, you know, I, I, I just am so thankful every day that it has gone to this point that I'm able to live this life and somewhat figured out how to be uh, sustainable on my own. Yeah, that's, I, I mean, I just love your story so much and I admire you so much for all that you've been able to accomplish and the fact that you just kind of pulled the cord one day and you're you're now working in the industry that you love. I think it's so inspiring. So when you look back at all of these experiences, what advice would you share with other women about how to discover and pursue a life of success defined on their own terms, not necessarily by anyone else? I think you hit hit it in the question there is, first we have to see what, see and understand what success means for us, for each person. I also understand that defining that is not an easy task. So if, if, if you ask yourself that question and you're not sure yet, I think that's also okay. Like just again, coming back to the not having it figured out. I think sometimes those things are revealed to us as we go through it and we're in the trenches. I also think that it's important to know what success looks like um, because you've gone through a failure. So after, I didn't really go into this, but me leaving corporate and that life that I was told my entire life that was going to be what it was going to be like after school, you get a corporate job and you you know, get promotions and you, you retire later on. Um, that idea being shattered felt like a huge failure. I was in, I was not in a good mental, emotional place because I felt like such a failure. And I think after going through that in such a big way, I've also redefined failure, which helps me redefine success. And to me, I've, I've realized that those things are very fluid. Um, success can change the way that you view it can change. And a common question that I love asking people that I I've just met, or I just don't know that well, or I want to get to know is questions like what makes you feel alive? I knew that I needed to go into music because the, 
main, the main way I felt the most alive was when I was at live shows. That moment where I'm at a live show and I take a look around and I'm dancing like an idiot and everyone else around me is dancing like an idiot. <laughs> and we're all different shapes and sizes and shades and ages, but we are all really, really into this collective experience that is being had on stage and in the atmosphere. That is just so beautiful to me that anytime I was in that place, I knew that 99% of the crap we deal with in life was worth it because I can do that every once in a while. So I love thinking about, you know, what makes people feel really alive? What's what's mm-hmm. worth, you know, being alive for? Yeah, and it's a great what question. You? And then also, you know, how would you spend your day if you didn't have to make money or if money wasn't a factor? I'm so proud and grateful to say that I get to spend my day every day. I would if I had a lot of money, I actually wouldn't change very much about my day. Yeah. I might That's hire a a more people. <laughs> <laughs> Take but, a little bit uh, off the plate. <laughs> yeah. I might hire a couple more people, but in terms of my actual activities and what I spend my time being productive with, it would not change very much. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's that's really the goal, right? That's the yes. point that you want to get to where you're cuz at some point money doesn't matter. I mean, money does matter, but you know, you want to be able to live your life not feeling like every day is just a drag. You want to get to the point where you're spending your time doing the things that really light you up. Like you said, yeah. make you feel alive. Absolutely. And money, you're right. Money does matter, but not more than your passions. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter more than your like mental and mental health, your emotional health. And for better or for worse, we are currently in a cultural upswing of talking about entrepreneurship working for startups over the large safe corporations and i think we're our generation and the and the new generation are just willing to take more risks for the sake of their happiness yeah i feel like our generation has been fed um this view of success i mean it's just been pounded into us from the time we're in school that we have these achievement points right like you have to get the grades to go to the school and go to the school to get the job. And it it's like, then what, you know, we have all of these highly um, achievement oriented people who have gotten, you know, their joy out of achievement. And then once you get to the end point of that, you really have to look at yourself and be like, did I really enjoy that? And mm-hmm. what am I going to spend my time on now that I can't enjoy? Right. Mm-hmm. Does it really matter working this hard for something when I don't even know what I'm doing with it now? Yeah. So I think it's a it's a really interesting thing that our generation is going through. But I, I love what you said about the questions that you ask people when you first meet them. It, it really goes into the next question. You hit on it a little bit that I want to ask you is, how do you define success right now for yourself? I love that because I was just about to ask you the same thing. I don't know if guests are allowed <laughs> to ask those questions, but I was just thinking about the same hey. thing. Hey, <laughs> you, you can ask me whatever you want. <laughs> I'm sure you spend a lot of your time asking the questions. So, um, you know, I'm sure maybe the listeners would also like to hear Natalie's opinion on certain things. But anyway, how do I define success? I'm going to ask it right back to you. It has changed over time, uh, as I mentioned before. I think right now, 
to me, and it's not anything unique, uh, success is the freedom to work with who I want to. And some of that comes with, at least maybe in the creative industry, a little bit of clout and of a little bit of a network and a reputation, but it's, it's both two ways, the, the freedom to work with who I want to. One is the ability to be financially secure enough that I can say no to projects I don't want. That doesn't suit me or people that I don't think are people that I want to work with necessarily. And I'm thankful to say that that was the biggest freedom from corporate that I get to choose who I work with on a day-to-day basis. And then secondly, I'd like to have a reputation of someone who is just a boss and gets things done in enough circles that if I find someone who I do want to work with, that I can convince them to work with me. That yeah, would be that, ideal. That your reputation would precede you. Yes, exactly. That's the that's the right phrase. Mm-hmm. I love it. What about you? How do you define success? Uh, you know, Carla and I talk a lot about this. And um, we talked, I think, in our second episode, we have an episode about redefining success and a little activity around that since, you know, we do talk about what we just mentioned. Um, you know, it's a an ever-evolving um, term, I guess, an ever-evolving definition. Um, what success to you is today, it might not have been the same thing even a few months ago. And for me today, um, it's even changed since we recorded that episode, which was a while ago at this point. But for me, it's how am I able to find joy and do the things that bring me joy on a daily Mm. basis? Am I able to have the time to do the things that I actually want to do? And Mm. those things change. But a lot of the time it's, you know, spending time outside doing the small things like being able to take my dogs for a walk, um, being able to be home and not traveling because that was a big part of my life for many years, traveling every week. Um, and, you know, just having the financial ability to be secure enough um, that I'm able to spend a lot of my time doing the things that I enjoy. Yeah. So that's how I define it right now. I love that because I think not everyone should feel like they have to leave their corporate job to pursue mm-hmm. a job in their passion. I, I don't think that's necessarily the route for everyone either. So I love the way you phrase that is having the time, however you define it, whether it's because you made it a full-time job or part-time job or just a hobby. Right. But to have that time to do things that bring you joy. I exactly. love that. Exactly. And it's a it's a tricky thing because um, your time is not your own for most of the week, but I've gotten better at setting boundaries around around my time um, so that people don't take advantage of it. Because the, the minute you let people, you know, mm-hmm. take an hour or two here or there that was in your, I'm not going to work, you know, at 7 a.m. time, then that'll be the expectation. So mm-hmm. you just have to really, you know, stick firm to your boundaries as much as you can um, and that's something that has gotten easier as I've gotten promoted more. <laughs> it's harder to do when you're younger, but, um, yeah, just having the time to do things that you enjoy is, is just so important. And I love that you've been able to take that concept 
and turn it into your career. Um, it's, it's really been a fun thing for me to see and to chat with you here and there to see what you've been doing. So final question for you. What advice would you give your younger self when you're reflecting back on your career thus far? With my journey specifically, as you heard with these seemingly random turns going from being thinking about being a teacher to being an HR professional to working in music. I realized that I think everything comes together for me and makes a nice little puzzle where things make sense. And I think the main advice I would give my younger self is that whatever you are doing at any given time where you're, as some people say, where you're planted, just do your very best. Even if it seems really random, even if it seems like it doesn't really connect with other things or what you want to do. Inevitably, I think the things that we put a lot of effort into and effort as in we really, we really try to do our best. You know, we're not, we're not half-assing it. We're, we're really, whatever we said yes to, we committed to just do it to the best ability that you can. And there is a lot of things later on that you'll see that they, there's little roadways that connect them together. It all comes together in the end. It all comes together in the end and sometimes in the most unexpected ways. Yeah. I love that. Well, Jane, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It has been a pleasure to talk to you as always. Until next time. Thank you for having me, Natalie. Bye, Jane. Until next time. Bye. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Successful. If you liked what you heard, give us a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at SuccessfulThePod. See you next time.